there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. Well, it's the first time I've preached this year. It's only the second Sunday of the year, so happy New Year, belated. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, if, uh, if you don't know who I am. And uh, it, it's really great and a privilege to, uh, to be one of the leaders here at the church and, uh, and to share in all that God's doing in, in our midst. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, Peter preached a really powerful message uh, about the grace of God. And uh, I knew I was down to preach this week, and I wasn't intending to preach this message at all. Uh, but over the last week or so, um, I've not been able to get the theme of Pete's preach out of my mind, really. And uh, I want to kind of move on from that a little bit, but, but also very much to kind of revisit it at the same stage. Because Pete said last week, and I believe with him, that the theme of God's grace may very well be something that we return to many times during this, this coming year. Um, it almost has been something in the, in the history of the Springs Church that, that at the beginning of the year there's been a message preached or, or a theme's been talked about and somehow it's kind of followed through and, and almost been the, the thing that, that's covered the whole year. And, and, and when Pete said that last week, it really resonated with me that the grace of God could very well be a topic, a theme, something that we just consider and keep referring back to because we can never have too much of, of God's grace. One of the main points that Pete um, mentioned last week was that it is only through God's grace that we can be saved. None of us are good enough. None of us can earn our salvation. It is purely and simply the favour the gift of God that means that we can say that we're saved. It's more even than God's mercy. Mercy is, if you like, the act of withholding a punishment that's deserved. You know, if you, if you go to court, it might just be that the judge is merciful to you and he might let you off or, or give you a reduced sentence. That's mercy. But grace is far more than mercy because mer- grace is extending totally unmerited and undeserved blessing and favour to us. Like the story of the prodigal son, when, when the, the son came back, he wasn't just forgiven by his dad, but his dad threw a party. His dad put a robe around his shoulders. His dad put a ring on his finger. He was welcomed back into the family. And that's the, the very nature of God. God just didn't want to just forgive us but he wants to bless us and anoint us. He wants to extend blessing and blessing and favor and favor upon us. But the thing is, with grace, with God's grace, it's like, if you like, it's as if it's a coin. And there are two sides to this coin of grace. If Richie, if we can get the, the first slide on, please, it tell you what it is. Because God's grace is intrinsically linked with God's truth. Grace and truth are, if you like, the same bedfellows. They're the one side of the coin is grace, the other side of the coin is truth. And really, to a certain extent, I want to talk more about God's truth tonight, but it's very much linked to this theme of grace. And we need to understand that grace and truth are linked. It's like love and marriage, as Frank Sinatra said, you can't have one without the other. And you really cannot have 
one without the other. You can't have grace without truth. But you can't have truth without grace as well. Um, there was a quote I came across. It's the next slide, Rich, that uh, really spoke to me as I was preparing this. We must never diminish God's grace, but we must never compromise God's truth. That's really what I'm talking about. We must never, ever um, dismiss or, or trivialize the grace of God. But on the other side of the message, we must never, ever compromise the truth of God. And truth is actually, in this day and age, quite a difficult concept, quite a difficult subject to, to even talk about. At Jesus' trial, nearly 2,000 years ago, when we read the account of, of the night before Jesus was taken away uh, to be executed, he, he, he had a, a kind of mock trial in a, in a, in a synagogue, and then he was taken to uh, a Roman leader called Pilate. And then he was taken back to, to the, the, the supposed king of the Jews, a guy called Herod. And then he was taken back to Pilate. And, and during that process of Jesus being passed from pillar to post and, and these mock trials that he had, we read that when he was in front of Pontius Pilate, at one stage, Pilate, because Jesus was just remaining silent, Pilate said these words to Jesus. He said, what is truth. What is truth? And those words kind of echo down the, the, the centuries that people are often asking, what is truth? And I believe it is almost never been as awkward to answer that question as it is now. I think in this day and age, the concept of truth is a really difficult subject or concept for people to grasp hold of. Now, for some of us of a, of a certain age with a few more grey hairs than most of you, um, we were brought up, I was brought up in an, in an era when things were actually viewed pretty much in black and white terms. I can see one or two people nodding at me. That, that, that we were brought up in the, you know, the 50s and the 60s and going back that... that that most people actually did genuinely have a concept of right and wrong. It was, it was pretty much understood what was right and pretty much understood what was wrong. We, we read several hundred years ago, for example, in this very area, in the black country, when John Wesley, one of the great revivalists of the, of the, the ages, when he preached, very often the, the, the multitudes came to hear him preach. And one of the things that they kind of cried out was, what have we got to do to be saved? People were, were kind of naturally convicted of, of the truth of God and the fact that they, they were sinners. Nowadays, we live in a, a different type of time scale. And, and most people simply believe this, that you can do whatever you like as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. That, that seems to be the kind of the, the baseline today. It isn't a matter that certain things are right and certain things are wrong. But people nowadays seem to have this attitude. Well, as long as I'm not hurting or harming anyone else, it's up to me to do exactly what I like. People understand the concept of, of sin and evil when they see things like a child being abducted or someone being murdered or... Um, the atrocities of a war. People understand that concept and, and, and they kind of think, well, that's evil, that's wicked, that's sin. But the very concept that they too are sinners 
is quite alien to people. If you talk to a lot of people, they, they genuinely think, well, as long as I don't hurt anyone else, I'm free to do what I like. And I believe the reason that people behave and think like that is because they have no concept and no knowledge of God's truth. And God's truth is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's truth doesn't change when society changes. God's truth is not subject to whether you are of the woke side of things or the traditional side of things. God's truth doesn't change because laws are passed in this country. God's truth is the same at all times. And a lot of our our leaders, our political leaders, they've, they've done nothing to help us understand truth. In fact, most of the time they seem to act as if truth is just a concept that they can have a very loose relationship with. How many times have we heard truth being dismissed as just fake news? You know, they're presented with some unpalatable truth and it's just, oh, it's fake news. It didn't really happen. And some of our leaders seem to have behaved, I believe, as if they repeat a lie often enough, it eventually becomes truth, that, that they believe their own lies. And, and nowadays, a lot of people, it seems to me, view truth as only being truth if they choose to believe it. That, you know, that, that it's, it's up to them to decide whether or not something is truth. Um, people might say things like, well, that might be your truth, but it's not my truth. How can you have, you know, it's either true or it isn't in my opinion, but people will, will talk like this. People will say things like, well, everyone's opinion is equally valid. And how can you talk to me? How dare you talk to me about a God who demands that I submit to his rules and regulations because it doesn't fit with my truth. I'm free to do what I like. And people value freedom. People think I'm born free and, and I want to be free to do whatever I like. And this is where the scriptures begin to reveal a really deep mystery, something that's very hard to get your mind around. Because the Bible actually teaches us that what people think takes away their freedom, actually gives them freedom. Let me repeat that. The Bible teaches that what people think takes away their freedom, God's truth, God's rules, God's regulations, I don't want that because I want my freedom. The Bible teaches us the mystery that that very truth of God brings and gives us freedom. Perhaps the greatest gift God ever ever gave us was our freedom. The freedom even to accept or reject him. He loved us that much that he, he didn't create us as brainwashed clones to just blindly follow him. He loved us that much that he gave us the very gift of freedom, even if that means that we're free enough to choose to reject him. Uh, can I have the next slide, please, Rich? Thanks. There's a couple of verses here that, um, that we've spoken about uh, before, certainly the first one. Just at uh, Christmas time, we, we will have read these words. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace 
and truth. I know we've spoken about this so often that, that, that in John's Gospel, right at the beginning when he's talking about the arrival of Jesus that we've just been thinking about over this Christmas period, he chose to say, he chose to describe Jesus as being full of grace and full of truth. And we've spoken a lot before about this. The very nature of Jesus. It's what we need to strive for. But that second verse that we're going to look at in just a little bit more detail is where the mystery lies. Because these are the words of Jesus from John's Gospel when Jesus was talking to the people and he said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, just, just to, for a moment to, to move away from, from the Scriptures because I'm afraid I can't talk or even think about the concept of freedom without thinking of, of one of my favourite movies of all time, the movie Braveheart. Put your hands up if you've seen Braveheart. Quite a few people. Well, I'm, I'm conscious that we might actually in this message have more Braveheart quotes being thrown at us than scripture quotes, I'm afraid. <laughs> now, I know, I know that Braveheart is not historically correct, okay? There really was a William Wallace but I don't think he had a kind of blue woad on his face. He certainly didn't look like Mel Gibson. Um, but, yeah, all probably have his, his kind of half Australian, half English, half American, half Scottish accent. Um, I know that Braveheart is actually very, very anti-English. Um, but I still love it. It's just a brilliant yarn. It's got a love story in it. There's humour in it. There's passion in it. There's, there's a bit of violence in it. It's really inspiring inspiring as well and when you if you do see the film you know that the number one thing and I do believe this is actually historically true because there are some proper quotes attributed to William Wallace but the number one thing that William Wallace put above everything else was freedom to him freedom was worth dying for so can we have some of these uh, these famous quotes coming up Richard please Okay, um, these are words of William Wallace from the film. <laughs> I want a wife and children. I want to grow crops. But it's all for nothing if you don't have freedom. I can't do the Scottish accent. It's all for nothing if you don't have freedom. Okay, next one. I am William Wallace, and I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men, and free men you are. What will you do with that freedom? Will you fight? Okay, next one, Richard. Oh, look at this. This is, this is, this is a, I've got to come down here so I can, I can just take in the full picture, I'm afraid. There is a difference between us. You think the people of this country exist to provide you with position. I think your position exists to provide those people with freedom. And I go to make sure that they have it. There's more, there's more. Come on, Richard. Now, this is the most famous one. This is, this is the one, this is the one that he, he, he says. Now, just to put this into context, they're just about to have a battle. And some of the, the Scotsmen come and say, look, we're going to run away. We're going to live another day. You know, we, we don't want to fight today. And this is what he says, aye, fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that 
for just one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. It's just amazing when he does this. And then this is the last one. This is the last one. Without, without spoiling the film at all, he's hung, drawn, and quartered at the end. Okay, that, that's, that's it. It's pretty gory. It's pretty graphic. But he's very... Last word, oh, it's just a beautiful moment. He's, he's got a cloth in his hand that was given him by his wife that was taken away and murdered. And, and, and as he's dying, he looks up and he sees a spirit there and he, and he drops, as he's, he's with his dying breath, he drops this, this rag that he's held with him for the last 20 years that, that was given him by his wife and he yells out, freedom. It is really powerful. I know it's a bit corny, but, but freedom is so important. But... We do need to move on because we're not here to talk about William Wallace. We're actually here to talk about Jesus. If William Wallace was a hero, this is a bit cheesy, but it's so true. Jesus is the greatest hero of all time. I just want to give you the context of these words that we're going to look at. Uh, When Jesus said, the truth shall set you free. This is from John's Gospel, and we'll read these in just a moment. But the, the, the context is this. In John chapter 8, it starts with a really well-known story. It starts with with Jesus teaching on Temple Mount, uh, and the the, the leaders of the day are trying to catch him out and trick him, and they bring to him a woman caught in the act of adultery. Okay? It's it's kind of X-rated stuff. Now, how they actually caught this woman in the very act, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. We just leave that to our imagination. But this woman... We don't know what happened to the man. He's not mentioned at all, uh, but it certainly takes two to tango. But this woman is brought before Jesus, I imagine kind of thrown on the ground, probably only at best half-clothed. And the leaders of the, 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 the Jews say to Jesus, Moses' law, we've caught this woman, Moses' law says that she should be stoned to death. What do you have to say about that? They're obviously trying to trip him up. And, and you know the story, but, but we're told that Jesus looks down and just draws in the sand with his finger. And then he says the most amazing words. He says, let him who is without sin throw the first stone. And the Bible tells us that one by one, all of these ladies' accusers walk away. They drift away. And then Jesus looks at her and says, where are the people that are accusing you? And she said, well, they've all gone. And Jesus said, well, I don't condemn you either, but go and sin no more. That's the context of these words. That's just happened. Jesus continues preaching on the Temple Mount. We think it's probably at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles where a big light was erected in Jerusalem. And then Jesus actually stands up and proclaims that I am the light of the world. And that passage of scripture that I'm sure you all know uh, where Jesus says exactly who he is, that I'm the light of the world. We read that. And then we read these next verses from uh, John chapter 30. As Jesus spoke these words, the words about being the light of the world, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who did believe him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are 
Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. That was a lie. They were actually in bondage at the time. They were occupied by the Romans, but they were kind of claiming that they'd never been in bondage. It wasn't true, but they said, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage. How can you say you'll be made free? Then Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes or sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Amazing, amazing words. Jesus said just a couple of things here which I want you to concentrate on. The first thing is this. Many people believed in him. And he said to the people who believed in him, if you want to be my disciples, you've got to abide in my word. Okay? If you want to be my disciples, you've got to abide in my world. Now, I think that this is a twofold thing. In the, the, the first passage of Scripture that we looked at, John, when he wrote about Jesus, very clearly said, you know, in the beginning was the Word. And John called Jesus the Word of God. So I think that Jesus is, is firstly saying quite genuinely, if you're my disciples, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to follow me, then you need to live with me, you need to abide with me, you need to spend time with me. If you're going to follow me, that's, that's what you have to do. But I also think we can't dispute the fact that Jesus is also talking about the Word of God in terms of the Scriptures. He was talking about the, the, the Holy Scriptures. We have the, the whole of the New Testament to look at as well. But, God, but Jesus is saying, if you want to be my disciples, then you need to spend time with me and you need to spend time meditating on my word. You need to study the Bible. If you want to be my disciple, that's what I want you to do. And as you spend time reading the word of God, do you know what happens? The truth of God becomes more and more apparent to you. You want to know what the truth is? Read the Bible. It's as simple as that. But the Bible is the written truth of God. The more you know what the truth of God is, the more freedom you will experience in your lives. And Jesus said, I've come to give you freedom. I've come to give you life in all its fullness. People look at the Christian life and they think it's a life of rules and regulations, of do's and don'ts, of having to do this and not being able to do the other. The reality is that that is bunkum. We are not a people that are brainwashed and are browbeaten and are told you must do this or face the consequences. We are a people that are given freedom, but within that freedom, God tells us the truth. And he says, look, guys, I'm not insisting on this, but if you want to live your best life, these rules, these suggestions, well, they're rules, they're more than suggestions, to be fair, but, but this is how, if you really want to follow me, you try and live your life this way, and by doing this, you will experience a more fulfilling life, you will experience a life of freedom, because I'm not giving you these rules to spoil your fun, I'm not giving you these rules so you, 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 you kind of have a miserable life, it's the exact opposite. I'm actually saying, if you stick to this, you're going to have a much, much happier, better, fulfilling, productive life. You will actually be free from the bondage that breaking the rules creates. 
Because Jesus doesn't just say, the truth will set you free. He also says, if you sin, you become a slave to that sin. Now that's really, really powerful. Now, I believe that the context and actually even the grammar that this is written in, Jesus is talking, this is something I was just sharing with Sam before the service. It's, it's something I want to try and explain, but it's not necessarily that easy to get into. Because I believe that what Jesus is talking about there, when he says, if you, uh, you, you will be a slave to sin if you keep on sinning, I believe Jesus is talking specifically there about habitual sin. I don't think it's talking quite so much about, you know, we're told that we're all sinners. And we know, we all know that, that when we go from here, it's quite probable that we could be tempted by something even before we go to bed tonight. It's quite probable that tomorrow morning something will enter our lives, our minds, and there'll be a temptation there. And it's quite probable, let's be honest, that, that we may just fall off the wagon. It might be for a split second. It might be for something longer than that. But, but occasionally in our lives, things happen. And before we know it, we've done something that we're ashamed of. We've thought something we shouldn't have thought. We've allowed our minds to wander too far. But it might not be something that we're habitually doing. And I believe the context of this particular verse, when Jesus is talking about being a slave to sin, it's a bit deeper, guys. It's for people that know, that know that there's something in their life that has got a hold on them. We call it sin. And they know that they are habitually doing this. And actually, they are allowing that sin to enslave them. And because, although they might know the truth of God and they're choosing to ignore it, they are a slave to that sin. But the good news is that, yes, you may be a slave to sin, but if the Son makes you free, you can be free indeed. And tonight, I just want to share with you the absolute truth it, that is this, that if you are a slave to sin, the Son can set you free. And I believe that God does want to release people from bondage right here tonight. I believe that there are people here that, that this year can be a year that is dramatically different because you accept the truth of God, you accept what's been going on in your life and you say, I want things to be different this year. I don't want to live 2023 like I've lived the last 20 odd years. I want 2023 to be a year where I experience real freedom in Jesus and that is available to all of us here tonight. I'm nearly up, but there's just one elephant in the room that I want to mention. And that is... That if we say that the, and we believe, and, and we believe this is Springs Church, we believe that, that the Bible is the Word of God. We believe that the Bible is the truth. But the elephant in the room is this there are parts of the Bible that are hard to accept. There are certain things in the Bible that, that don't kind of sit comfortably with me, if I'm honest. I struggle with some parts of the Bible. There are some parts of the Bible which may even on the surface, appear to be contradictory. And we, we're told that we're to wrestle with the Scriptures. It's not all laid out on a plate, but I just want to suggest a couple of things to you. And the first one is really simple, but I don't necessarily think in this day and age it's that palatable. It's very simplistic, 
but it might not be palatable. And this, it's simply this. If you're a Christian, and there are parts of the Bible that you may be struggling with, but you know the goodness of God in your life, you know that God has never let you down. Could I suggest to you that just possibly God actually knows best? I'm sure those of you who are parents, there are times where you will tell your kids what is best for them because you know without any shadow of doubt that it is best for them. It probably is not the best thing for them never to eat anything other than sweets, even if that's what they want to do. And, and therefore, as a parent, you will try and make sure that they eat a, a balanced diet. Pretty straightforward stuff, isn't it, really? But you do know that that's best. And, and, and as kids grow up, they will then come to realize that. It could be as simple as that, that if there's a part of the Bible that you are finding really challenging, it might just be that God, over that one scripture, that little passage that you've struggled with, God might just be saying, look, you trust me in everything else. I want you to trust me in this, even if you're struggling with it. Please accept I do know best, even if it's a struggle. Difficult, but I believe that might be the pill that we have to swallow sometimes when we're looking at certain difficult passages of Scripture. Secondly, if there are things that you're struggling with, and I just want to bring this into land with this, I want to suggest that you need to try and look at the Scripture through the same lens that we were talking about right at the beginning of this message, and that is the joint lens of truth and grace. Grace and truth. It's exactly what Jesus did with that lady that was dragged in front of him, caught in the act of adultery. Jesus knew the law probably better than anybody else. In one sense, he wrote it himself. He knew the law. He knew what the, the punishment of the law was. He knew the truth of that woman's situation. But he, <coughs> excuse me, he didn't just look at her through the lens of truth. The black and white, that's it. She's been caught. The deed's been done. Stone her to death. He also looked equally through the lens of grace. And grace meant that he said to her, I don't condemn you. But truth meant that he also said, go and don't do it again. And that is the way I believe that if there are tough parts of the Bible to look at, perhaps we need to look at them and, and start asking the question, what in this particular passage that I'm struggling with, does it say about the truth? What is actually being truthful here? But when we read it, and it might sound really harsh, we then also need to read that same passage through the lens of grace and say, yeah, okay, this is the truth of God, but what does the grace of God have to say about this. And I believe that as we do that as individuals, as we do it as a church, there are issues in this day and age that, that we, even as leaders of a church, we struggle with. We sometimes struggle to see the grace or the truth, and it's so difficult to get them both right. But that is what Jesus did. That is his very nature, and that is what we need to do. So, yeah, I believe that we will be going back to the theme of grace, time and time and time again, because the grace of God, the salvation of God, is the most important thing we can know. It really is the most important thing to know that we are saved, to know that we're followers of Jesus. 
But if we accept the grace, it comes with having to know the truth. And believing that the truth of God is not there to curtail us, it's not there to spoil our lives, it's actually to give us the freest possible lives that we can experience. I'm going to ask the band to come back. I think actually, Sam, um, the first song that we sang, uh, My Hope is Jesus, is, is really appropriate for... And I'm wondering if we can somehow, as your musical director, can I just we sing it as prayerfully as we can as well? <laughs> Put a few minor chords in. That's what you do, isn't it? Is that right? Um, but just as we do this, um, I really feel led tonight that I want to pray for people that might be really struggling with habitual sin. And uh, I just want to proclaim freedom for you. So just uh, before Sam... Um, concludes this part of the service with, uh, with some more worship as we, we think about these words. Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that Jesus himself said that your word is truth. We thank you that you are for us, not against us. And actually, you long to set us free. You want us to have freedom. You want us to have liberty. But you also know what's best for us. And Father, we want to come tonight and say, perhaps there are times when we just have to accept that you know what's best and we trust you. But tonight, Father, I just pray specifically for anyone here who is really struggling in their lives. Anyone who knows, if they're honest, that there's something in their life that has got a hold on them something that they've tried to deal with time and time and time again, but they've just not been able to do it. I think if that's you, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know what it is, but you know. And the words from God tonight over that is that if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And I want to speak freedom over you this evening in the name of Jesus that if you give him that habitual sin, if you say, Lord, I know that I've let this entrap me, I know that it's getting me down, but I want to deal with it now, and I want you to break that chain right here, right now. In the name of Jesus, I proclaim that chain is broken. I proclaim in the name of Jesus that there is freedom for you, that 2023 can be a different year to any other year that you've experienced, because the truth of God brings liberty it brings freedom. It brings life in all its fullness. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.